Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, a guest I've been chasing for probably a year and a half now, and I've finally pinned him down. Welcome to the show, Ian Campbell. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. It is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, I have, as I just said in the quick, the very quick intro, the quickest ever, um, <laughs> that I've been chasing you for a while. I've been carrying my microphone around to the comp events and saying, oh, Ian, it'd be really nice if we could... Uh, do an interview sometime. You've always been very uh, gracious in saying, "Yeah, we can, we can do that." I just want to get the competition out of the way, and then, um, yeah, we just, we've just missed the opportunity. But that's all good. We got it now. We got it now. Um, for the listener, can you maybe let them know where you are? Um, you, you're, you've just started a bit of a journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've just, I've been home for. Well, I was at home for six weeks, and. Uh, my girlfriend Rosie's just finished her studies, and we decided that we would come over to Florida. Um, I'm in the north of Florida in a place called Jacksonville, uh-huh. and um, we just came here for a bit of a holiday, a bit of downtime. We've never really travelled together, so this is our first kind of Christmas away from home. Rosie's first time away from home from, for Christmas time, so uh, we just come here, and her aunt and uncle live here, so we're taking a bit of a break. Um, six six or seven week break and just kind of having some downtime together and traveling around the US for a little bit. So that sounds exciting. pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. I mean, Florida, um, Jacksonville is somewhere. I know the name, but I've you know it's not somewhere I've ever thought about going to. Um, admittedly, no offense to all the Jacksonvillians who might be listening to the podcast, but I, I mean, what's Jacksonville like? What 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 are, you, what are your impressions of it so far? Man, I've I've only really been here for two days, so okay. it's hard to say. I'm, it's kind of there's a lot of it's there's a lot of water around here, mm. like not just the ocean. I mean, like there's a lot of, um, it's a lot of marshlands. So where we're staying is actually an old marshland that they had to build up the soil on top of. Uh huh. So it's very different to anywhere I've ever been before. It's it's kind of like almost like a wetland everywhere. So you're always driving over bridges. There's always big, what seem like puddles of water, but they actually, most of it's actually moving water. That's just, mm. you know, rivers and, and lakes around the area. And it's quite interesting to see that, that style of land, I guess. Something yeah. I've never seen before. So it's, it's all new experience for me too. Um, there is a little beach here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm staying in a place that's called Amelia Island, which is it's right in, in the north of Jacksonville itself, right on the border of Georgia. I think is the next state up. Okay. So, so you can, I mean, as you cross over the bridge onto the island, you can see the next state, which is like, like right there. It's quite quite an interesting place to be. Um, quite an old town, and. You just we drove around yesterday for the first day, so I've only been here two or three days and kind of getting a feel for the place still. But it seems very interesting, very nice old old school town, and yeah, really keen to do some exploring, shoot a lot of photos, and really get into it. I was about to say when you said shoot, I was like, what is he going to shoot animals? Because I got like <laughs> I like had to like chuck photos on there because I think they got a lot of um, I think they got a lot of alligators. In, in, yeah, um, they Florida. They do, yeah. A lot of alligators, a lot of snakes, yeah. and in this area before it started getting built up, there was a lot of deer and and uh, rabbits and stuff like that yeah, too. Right. I'm just, so I'm sure they. I'm on the I'm Google sure Maps they... now, just totally checking it out while I talk to you. I feel like I'm like I'm planning my next trip there now as a result of this conversation. Well, that's cool. You're in Jacksonville. This sounds fun. You're gonna hang around for a while. You're gonna take it easy. Congratulations to Rosie on finishing off her studies. That's a no, no mean feat done right there. So big props to her. Um, you are, but it's a road trip you're on. Are you gonna travel across the states, or what? What are you kind of? What are your movements? Um, at this stage, I'm not really too sure. Um, I'm going to go see some friends down in the south of Florida that have been there for a while. I'm sure everyone um, on the tour will remember Jake from Chile and Brazil. Oh, so yeah, Jakey. Cool, Jake, cool, cool. Jake lives down in, in the south in Fort Lauderdale area. So I'll go see him for a little bit. Um, 
and maybe just see what happens if there's any swells or anything that go Puerto Rico side or anything like that. I might plan a trip down there, but I haven't really sorted that out. But until, I guess, the end of January, I will be here and then head over to Los Angeles for a bit, maybe stay there for a week or so. And then it's off to Hawaii. And I'll be in Hawaii until I think the, just after the first week of March. Okay, okay. That sounds like a really good time. And you'll be able to compete in the APB event that is on them. We actually still don't. Do we know what type of event that is yet? I don't know. What, I don't have any updates. At, at this stage, I haven't heard anything. I think everyone's kind of gone a little bit quiet, but... <laughs> I'm sure there. I'm sure there'll be an event there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, there is an event. I just don't know if it's a QEST or a yeah, or a specialty or whatever. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but at this stage, we just know that it's that one day event, and it'd be pretty exciting to get back to Hawaii. Hell Looks yeah! Like just waves nonstop. So yeah, I've just been yeah itching to get back. Yeah. No, it and look, it's a it's a pipeline comp for bodyboarding, so you know, who cares? Let's just enjoy that for you know, like we we missed out, um yeah, it hasn't really been at its best lately, so it's good to get it back on the um onto the tour, uh, in sure. some way. So good stuff. Hey, in the spirit of good podcasting, I would now like to take us on a journey in history and not just any history, into the history of Ian Campbell. And I'd love to start with your origin story of sorts. So, you know, how how did you get into bodyboarding in the first place? What was your what were your beginnings? Well, I started pretty young, probably like I think I was about six or seven, and I was getting onto um, life saving. Um, I first started in the competitive life-saving scene and there was a race there where you used to paddle bodyboards. Oh, wow. So that was, that was actually like the first proper like training, I guess, I got from there. Um, they were like a full, it was a full foam board. Um, not, it was a weird, weird foam. They were called aquifins. They were like a, like kind of a wrapped foam material that they had, um, absolutely no rigidity whatsoever but <laughs> what you could do is you could actually you know they were more for the racing style so you would you would paddle as fast as you could out to sea and around cans and back in but when you got picked up by waves you really had to like push the nose down to kind of uh-huh. get the boards going so that was kind of the first wave riding that i reckon I'd, i started doing um but then after that it became <clears throat> it became a school sport at um my like first junior school that I was at and that's kind of where it all started for me I think I was I mean I was really young at that stage still I was like seven or eight and I got into the team and it was initially it was a guy by the name of Billy Thiel I know that name I know that name a lot of a lot of the older guys will definitely remember (laughs) a lot of the older guys (laughs) for what they they used to do in um the shore break in Hawaii yeah and it was it was Billy and Doug Cockwell and Gordon yeah. Cockwell, and uh, they always used to hang out with Manny Vargas, and that crew was always really strong when they went to the North Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more names in that crew that that were going, but I mean, that's, I just wrapped off a few there. But the South African contingent kind of started, and and that's when you know they used to charge the big wire man. Um, you know, Billy will always, I guess, be known for his skills at uh taking on the biggest shore breaks around there so Mm. he was kind of like the first person that really started to get me involved in the sport and uh really taught me how to roll and taught you how to roll okay yeah so that was like the first taste of the actual you know kind of getting into the competitive scene was i was really him trying to push the school sports to to get to that level Mm. He, he coached us for a number of years and then he left and went to the UK to work. And in that time, I kind of started to, then I was about, you know, getting on 10, 11 or 12. And that's when I started doing our provincial or state um, trials mm-hmm. to get to the South African championships at the end of the year. And that's where kind of the competitive side of me started. And I went through there 
I got into the provincial, into the state team, um, 12 years in a row. And back then it was, it was really competitive in South Africa. And I think that's what really started my whole competitive outlook on the sport of bodyboarding. And we were always driven to, you know, find those sections, do those roles, do a number of moves. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really about style more than it was about quantity of moves and, and quality mm. of moves you could do on waves. So clean moves and big rolls and extended arms. And those are always the things that I was really pushed at, at that age. Sure. So when it comes back to, you know, how I compete now, I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know, how did you get to that level? And, and you know, you, you're so strong in the water and everything. And it's, I think it's all from that that previous competitive training that I got as a kid. And especially at that age, it was like, it was always something that these guys would just like throw in your face. Like hmm. the older guys would always like that. They'd just hound you the whole time for trying to get those moves, maneuvers completed and so clean and, and just to, you know, make them look as big as possible. And then as I started going through, I started teaching that to other guys. And so you evolve as a person and then it's not only rolls and then you're trying to do backflips. And then it's always like, got to get the most speed into that backflip and, it's the most projected and into the flats. And I mean, that's pretty much how I evolved as a bodyboarder. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was always that, that, that push from the, from the older guys back in that time. Um, that's kind of set off the competitive person that I am today. And I think that's how I've really achieved in the last two years was definitely thanks to those guys back in the day. Do you think, uh, do you think you would have been competitive in another sport? Um, is bodyboarding special, or is it that you're you kind of have a bit of competitive DNA already that was just optimized through this process? Maybe it was, but I mean, I, I used to play, I used to play team sports at school, so it's hard to say that. I mean, the individual sports are so much more different to that. Mm. But even when I was playing the school sports, I mean, I played. I played water polo at quite a high level at at high school, and um, I, again, I made provincial teams there. But it wasn't it wasn't that individuality that you got that from bodyboarding. Mm. You know, team sports are you got, to, you got to kind of gel as one, and you know, you only really link up with a few players while you're doing that. Yeah. That you can really that you guys like gel together so well, and that team goes so well. So. I mean, saying that, I also did life saving. I did really well in life saving throughout those years that I was bodyboarding. I was still, playing, mm. I was still doing life saving, and that's more individual. Um, and I mean, all through that time at the South African Championships, I also got, you know, I was like the highest points awarded for under ten, under twelve, and under fourteen years. So, yeah, I think it it comes down to probably some of my the gene pool that I have. Mm. Um, my parents were both really competitive my mom was a South African swimmer and also went she holds a couple gold medals in the um, in the world masters and my wow. father's a South African rowing champion and a, an oarsman for, for South Africa multiple years in a row so it's yeah. all I mean there's some DNA all, yeah there's some <laughs> DNA in there. That's, that's definitely competitive yeah, I, I think we've got I think we've I think we've nailed it now that there, there, there's certainly some DNA that has played a role. I mean, do you find, I mean, I, it's funny hearing some of the, your story because, I mean, I was a, we call them nippers in Australia. Do you call exactly. nippers as well yeah, in yeah. South Africa? Okay, yeah. well, I was a nipper too and I was, you know, paddle on the board. And I mean, we could have just probably done almost the same introduction on our, um, how we got into competition. But um, the the thing that I've noticed about myself as I've gotten older is that I suck at team sports because I'm too individualistic, like, and, and I'm cool with that now. Like, it's not really something I'm going to um, get too worked up about, but I, I know that I'm just, yeah, shit. I like just performing. Um, yeah. So do you see body, do you see a little bit of that yourself or, or are you still able to switch off the individual competitiveness and get into a team environment or is it just something you, you've not really been able to test out recently? Not recently, but I yeah. mean, I, I was doing it up until I was, you know, 18, 19, 20. I mean, okay. I was still playing water polo when I was 
in my second year of university, which okay. was I was I was twenty years old. So it's mm. like I don't think I'm pretty sure I could just switch it off. Oh, good for um, you. You're probably a good person. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd hope so. <laughs> Um, oh, but do you think, um, do you think that it has, um, like is bodyboarding also something that you feel like you're expressing yourself through as well? Cause I, I think bodyboarding competitively is a, is a very unique beast. Um, like surf life saving, it's, it's a race. You know, you're not expressing who paddled the board the nicest, and you're not. You know, your swim stroke isn't critiqued. You're 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 either winning or losing. So, in bodyboarding, like, do you find that that performance side of the sport is something that you gravitate towards, or is that just how it is? For sure, it is. I mean, you know, I I get a lot of um, I get a lot of like self achievement, like you know, like build up like your self-esteem from when people are like really stoked when you do something that's good yeah like if you do like a massive backflip and someone's watching and they just like but you come out the water and they just like man that was crazy you know you get you get so much back from that yeah totally and totally. I, and i think that that side of things really kind of gets me and to um just compete in front of people mm. and and also free surf in front of people like the best place for me is Hawaii. Hmm. Everyone's so close to you and you get out the water and people are like staring at you like, you know, like you're a god. Hmm. And and I think that that really makes me feel so good about myself in that in that sense hmm. when when sometimes it's like you know when you're competing and guys are watching and it's like it's not or you don't always get that same feeling but in that free surfs when you come out the water and people are just so stoked that you made that barrel or that you did that reverse or mm. you flew into the air and somehow you landed it. Yeah. And and I think that, that side of bodyboarding is there's a completely different feeling from that to surfing an event. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely one thing that, that I really feel is like so much more different compared to any other sport. Mm. You don't you don't really get that as you said you know no one's watching how you're paddling a board or how you're swimming mm. but at the end of the day it's like when you do those moves and you land them I think people are like just this, like astounded like that you the feeling that you get from that is completely different it's like kind of unexplainable really. Yeah, it is hard. I find it yeah. difficult as well. But I think it's interesting as like I guess the lead the follow on question then kind of related to this is do you do you feel or do you remember when you knew or did you know that you could be a world champion one day? Was there a moment where it clicked and you're like, Yeah, you know what? I can probably get this. Um that is so difficult to answer. Mm. Um I don't know if it was a single moment. But um, yeah, we, I know we're gonna talk about this later. But uh, I did walk into someone's room um, at the beginning of 2017, and he asked me what what I was really doing there. And I was like, you know, I want to win a world title. Mm-hmm. At that point, I realized that it could have been done, and it was maybe 2016 coming off. You know, I was I was so close, but I wasn't really close at all. Mm. Is when it came down to fronton, mm. and I just wasn't prepared for that mentally. Um, and when it came down to it, it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise because it got me super amped up for the next year, mm. and that's what I think kind of fueled the fire in 2017. That it was like, you know, you you kind of so close, but then you get knocked down. I mean, I was first in the rankings I got knocked to like fourth or fifth place and then you think to yourself you know I was so close I could have just done that and then the next year you go in and you're like this is what I want to do and you keep that mindset and I think that was really the the turning point in kind of my competitive life that I just was like you know what I was I was so close now I'm gonna go do it mm. so there was a certain amount of um validation from the loss in in 2016 that that just reinforced that that it was indeed something you could achieve. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So 
when you, you know, saying you're going to be a world champion is one thing. Um, actually doing all hard work to get there is, is the other bit. Uh, so what, what, what kind of approach did you take when you, when you really took, you know, what I've, I've written about this and, you know, like I've never seen someone be so dominant in one year. Like I've never seen it before. Um, so credit to you. What, what's the secret though? Like what were you doing to, to remain so consistent in one year? Um, whoa, what a cliffhanger. Sorry to interrupt the uh, podcast there, folks, but, uh, I just wanted to let you know that 662 Mob, one of, uh, Ian, Ian's great sponsors has, uh, got a special deal for the Boogie listeners. Uh, right now, if you use the code LeBoogie, which is L-E-B-O-O-G-I-E, when you go to the checkout, uh, you're going to get yourself a 10% discount on your order. Um, they already offer free shipping, which is pretty awesome. So if you get on the website, you're going to get yourself some new gear, maybe an Ian Campbell board model. Who knows? Whatever tickles your fancy. Just use the code LABOOGIE and you're going to get yourself a nice little discount. Big shout out to the 662 Mob for supporting the podcast and also to you, dear listener. I really love your work. Let's go. Um, let's hear this cliffhanger. I want to know. Cheers for that comment, by the way. But um, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, twenty twenty sixteen. I was still living in Durban. Um, I was training, but I wasn't really a hundred percent serious. Like I, I was still. I mean, I was swimming. My mom's a swimming coach, so I was swimming with my mom and. Um, I was going to the gym, but I wasn't really going there to like gym wasn't really a thing that I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm, I'm going to follow this, this program. Or I'm going to follow these ideas. And, um, I didn't have anyone like kind of on my side, like as a trainer, kind of personal person helping me out. Mm. But when it came to 2017, I decided in December of 2016 that I'd pack my car up and drive down to Cape Town and go live with Rosie. Mm-hmm. And this was probably the biggest turning point of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is I moved into the Strand where, where her family lives. Um, we have a little place out the back of her parents' house. And I moved in there and it almost felt like I was moving. It, I would move my entire life there. So it was like, you know, I have to try to get into a new group of friends, mm. um, which wasn't wasn't tough because I knew all of them already. Mm. But just to kind of integrate yourself into a whole new community, which is very Afrikaans spoken. So for me, it was really tough. Not that I didn't understand, but I just don't speak Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. So now you're integrating yourself into a whole new another community. You're trying to get new friends, find new people, find the trainers, find the chiropractors, everyone else that you had at your home base is now completely moved your kilometers away. Mm-hmm. So for me, that time was so difficult and it was made so easy by her parents and um, everyone else kind of just accepting me in there. And then in February when I got back from Hawaii in 2017, I met up with a guy called Philip Nell and he and uh, Christian LaRue, they run a biokinetist center in Somerset West, which is 10 minutes from my house. And I'd, I went up there and I spoke to him, and, and this was the, the original conversation that I had with him. Um, biokinetists generally work with people that are coming off um, injuries or torn ligaments or um, muscle problems or kids that are battling with, like, um, cerebral palsy and, and stuff like that. So they, okay. it's, quite, Interesting. It's, quite a, it's quite an intense um, degree that they hold underneath them. Mm. And it's all about movement and, um, you know, he's he's more he's chosen more of the high-performance side. Mm-hmm. But, but they've got another three people that work with them that are more in the injury and injury prevention side of things. So when, when I went to them, you know, I was, I was having real bad, bad problems with my shoulders and going down to the fact that I wasn't training them correctly and wasn't um, getting them to the right point. So we started with that and, you know, that's where the conversation came up. And he's like, Philip turns to me and he's like, well, what do you want for, out of this? Like, what is your plan here? And mm. I was like, well, 
I'm going to be honest with you. I want to win the world title this year. He's like, cool, let's do it. Mm. And that's kind of what started the whole thing. And, and that's where my training really started with Philip. Um, and he is a surfer. He's a big wave surfer. And he surfs all the time. So he knows what surfing training needs. Mm. But he had no idea what the bodyboarding training needs. And for the first month, we were kind of testing it out. And he was putting me onto these things. And it was more, um, you know, like leg-based exercises, which I loved because I was always, I mean, for water polo, you gotta, you got to have that strength. And mm. I'd always worked out in the gym, so I knew what was going on. But, you know, you go from weight training, which is something that everyone thinks, oh, this is such a good idea, you know, there's, you know, you, you're building muscle the whole time and mm. people don't understand that weight training, it takes so, so long for you to reach that point where your muscles actually take over and start weighing more than your, you know, you start to put on weight within your muscles and then that's why people are like, oh, I don't want to do weight training because I'm going to get so heavy and that period takes so long and the amount of work and amount of calories you have to eat to do that is like absurd hmm. so that's you know you always think like that until you've actually you get all this information that you're like oh shit i could probably like train like this for months and not pick up another kg hmm. and you all you're doing is just building your muscles so that's kind of where it changed for me quite drastically is we kind of took the weights completely out of it and okay. he said to me okay we're doing full functional training now. So functional training is all about that quick twitch fibers in your muscles yeah. um, and body weight specific. So it's, it's about, um, you know, like plyometrics, which is it's jumping onto blocks and jumping up onto um, benches and yeah. um, step ups and all that kind of stuff. And it, it goes quite into quite a lot of detail in that side of things. But what it does basically is it allows your muscles to fire off a lot faster. And yeah. this is what he saw from me was going to be so much more important would be to try and get those muscles firing faster so that at the stage when you're doing certain things in the water, you know, especially with your legs, is you need to be kicking fast and you need to be hold the lines in the water with your knees and with your hips. And he kind of figured out that getting all of those to work together would probably be the benef most beneficial thing for me. Mm. And this is, I never really thought anything of it until I started surfing bigger waves because you don't realize, I don't think, how strong your body is until you start training and then you go and surf in those conditions. Mm. And I noticed it so much in my lower back too because we had focused so much more on core exercises. And the whole time you think, oh, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, I'm doing the right thing. But it was more rotational core exercises. So, um, you know, like leaning on like a BOSU ball and having your, your feet extended on a, on a TRX band. Hmm. People are probably going to be so confused about what I just said. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's try and break it down for them so we don't lose so, them. So, yeah, explain yeah, what's happening right. when you're on a BOSU ball with your TRX, <laughs> with the T-Rex okay. at your feet. So the, the TRX bands are... Um, they hang from the roof. So you, you put your feet into the TRX bands so your chest is down to the ground. And then you put your hands in a BOSU ball, which is a half-shaped blow-up ball mm -hmm. with a hard bottom. You flip that upside down so it's unstable. You're putting your hands on the BOSU ball and then you're doing exercises through that. So you're either doing push-ups or you're doing your knees to your chest. Mm -hmm. And... Those are the exercises that I, I always thought to myself, you know, like, why would I need to do those? And mm. those are probably the biggest factor that came into stability when landing certain moves. And I was completely blown away by how much that actually helped. And, you know, I think that showed in the first leg of, of last year when, you know, we went to Brazil first. I don't think I got a great result there. Uh, didn't yeah, come did. third. Okay, third. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Ian's great. Ian's great yeah. is different to the rest of our great results. Um. Nah, it was a really good result. Sorry, I'm just trying to think back now. Yeah. And then you know, then we went to Chile, and it was another. I think I got fourth in Chile. Yeah. And then, and to Fagasta, I got a second, and mm. 
I think that's what really started. It started to kind of set the tone for the whole year. Indeed, and, yeah, um, yeah. When I got back from Antif Augustus, when it kind of then again, you know, it all fall, falls apart. Um, I get this illness um, called ulcerative colitis, which I'm busy dealing with right now. I know mm-hmm. we weren't going to speak about it, but oh well, it's your call. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just such a it's such a crazy thing to kind of just um, go through. It's just you know you get these that whole tour was just at the start was just like these consistent up up up, mm. and then you know whatever it is, anxiety, stress, um, all these issues come and play and you know you get knocked back down i lose five kgs in the space of four weeks um mm. and then you go to specialists and to doctors and they all tell you it's certain things and you go to homeopathy or trying to you know they're trying to do it without the medication and i just got so much information so quickly and thank goodness i had people like philip because not only did Philip do the biokinetic side of things, but he also did um, sports psychology. Mm. And this is the point where I was kind of, I always thought, you know, he would ask me questions in the gym and you answer the questions, but you're not really thinking about it. You're like half dying because he's pushing you so hard. But at the same time, he was just trying to like reinforce my mental state the whole time. So, these are the, the one thing that I never really realized until it came close to the end of the year is exactly what he was trying to do in the gym is asking me these questions the whole time. And every time he asked me the question, I would just answer without thinking. Mm. And by the end of it, he had like pretty much sorted my mental game out because he was so on top of asking me these questions and directing them in such a way that, um, you know, when it came down to it, it was just, it was just so easy. And it all just worked. It looked and, easy. It looked easy from the outside. It looked very straightforward. Um, and so you're saying that this mental game was maybe a, a quite a critical factor in that midway through the year, given the kind of the the health challenge that popped up. Was it the mental game that kind of got you through that? It was. Yeah, that was. It was huge. I mean, that was. That's probably the reason why I was. I was where I was when it, when I came out of it. Mm. Is because you know I come out of it go to Sintra, win Sintra, um, and then I'm like, oh, my God, like, this just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. I've, I've just been through this this shitstorm, and I come out of it, and I'm like, wow, this is, like, this is what I can do, like, just after being sick. Like, mm. let, me, let me try something new. And I sat down with Dave in Vienna, and, um, you know, he was like, you can't, think about that end goal mm. and this is where um you know dave was he was amazing dave um, are we talking about dave, dave hubbard dave hubbard yeah, yeah sorry yeah big so shout dave, out to dave. dave yeah big shout out to dave um he really helped me with my mental game when it came down to this part of the year not because philip wasn't there but just because i mean it was you know he wasn't close enough to be that kind of person that would sit you down and just be like you know this is what you need to do this is how you need to do it and Dave stepped him and he's like, just enjoy it. Like, enjoy this process. You, you've got nothing to lose. The only place, you, the only thing better you can do in Vienna is win it. And that's the only way I could better my, my kind of title race was mm. to win in Vienna. Mm. And then it comes down to Vienna and I, I went and which, won that which too. And did. it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, the only possible thing that I could have done to better it was to win in Vienna. Mm. And I think that at that point I was like, that's where my year kind of was really at the point where I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. Mm. And and walking into Nazareth was it was just so nice to have Rosie and and her brother and and his girlfriend there, mm. and, you know, just to have familiar faces from home and that support base that I've never really had. I've never had family or or people that are really close to me that are, are right next to me other than the guys on tour, obviously. Mm. And I think that really that really spiced it up for me a bit. Um, you know, those first couple of days were so difficult in Nazareth in 2017. Um, conditions were really, really horrid. Mm. And I just, I think at that stage, it was just so nice to have 
um, you know, Rosie reassuring me that everything's going to be good and we're on the right path. And we kind of stepped, took a step back during that event and, and went and did some sightseeing. And, you know, it's certain things that you do that you think back on and you're like, shit, that was the best decision I've made. And that was the best thing we could have done. Um, not, not to just stay in one place, which I did this year. Yeah, that's about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, but just to kind of like to move around, keep moving. I mean, I think that day we walked like you know eight, nine k's. Yeah, right. And um, the next day we get down to the beach and they call it off again, and you like you know you can't really get disappointed because they're making the right calls and yeah. there's two days left of the event, but you know they're making the right calls. And then it came down to it and um, going into those last final days, I think you were one of the people too that came up to me and said, you know, um, there's no one else that really won the last events for you. Like you've done them all yourself. So don't expect other people to win mm, this world. I think I did. I do remember that because you were starting to like worry about what others were doing. I was like, dude, you you haven't worried about anyone all year. So why are you doing it now in the last, you know, you've only got a few hours to go here. Um, but I do remember exactly. that. And you got it together. But I think, you know, whilst you can be told not to focus on, you know, the end game and all that, you know, like, come on, it's a world title. Like, of course, it's going to pop into your head. You know, like, you, you, you're not a robot. <laughs> no, for sure. But I mean, at, at that stage, it's like, it's good to get that kind of reassurance from oh, people. Totally. And, and um you know, you go into the. I went into the heat with Diego, knowing that I needed to beat him mm. to get into. Well, I think it was, um, or the semi. Yeah. No, I had to. I had to beat him to get into the final in order to. To take it. What happened? You know, it's just, it's just like it's the craziest feeling, and you get onto the beach and. Everyone's there, and they're all just so stoked. And yeah. we had a massive crowd of South Africans there. They were just—it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and that—that that moment, I mean, is like to do it is one thing, but to do it with an event in hand is mm. a completely mm. another. And like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get that that moment again. But I mean, it's like just to to have it happen the way it did is just. I mean, I couldn't have asked for it to to work itself out in any better way. Well, indeed, it was a good memory, I think, for everyone around you at the time too, and I was fortunate to be one of them um, for sure. But um, my job as the podcast host is to tell the full story and um, let's go from that high point and let's let's transport ourselves a year into the future to the same beach. And and I guess I wanted to try and touch a little bit on that loss Um because that was the complete, I guess, opposite of, uh, I assume, that experience from the year before. But, I mean, how, in the moment of that day, that final day at Nazare this year, which is only a couple of months ago now, I guess, for us, or three months ago now, two months ago, sorry. Um, I know it's still fresh, but what, what was that day... I guess, like for you, because you did seem to be waiting on a result a lot, you know, like there was a lot of things that needed to happen for you not to win. Um, in the end, we know that that one of the most unlikely outcomes kind of happened in terms of where the points needed to land. But how did you enter that day yourself? Like what was, how were you feeling? It's, yeah, it's, trying to think back on it is just... Um... It was a long day, huh? Yeah. It was a really long day. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, we knew it was going to get big. We knew that the conditions were going to be tough. Mm. Um, but we also knew that, you know, 16 of the best riders in the world are going to be in the water. And 15 of them are going to get knocked out and one of them is going to win the event. Mm. And when it came down to it, you know, I was, I was kind of happy with whatever happens happens mm. but mentally i wanted that more than anything and the reason why i say that is because i wanted to go back to back because someone hasn't done it for so long yeah sure and that that was my goal the whole year is to go back to back mm. and the reason for that is you know i think the last person that did it was kingy in like uh, the yeah. 2000s mm. 
Yeah. So I was like, you know, I want to I want to kind of solidify the fact that that first time, not that anyone has ever said that it was a fluke, but I mean, mm. I didn't want to be that that guy that just goes out and just wins one. Yeah. And to make it back to back, like there's only a limited number of people that have done that. So yeah, I was sure. like, you know, I want to be I want to be that guy that can go back to back. And that was my whole goal the whole year. So okay. when I went into that day, I was like, I want to do this. Mm. And I mean, I went to the first heat that day and I think that was, what would that have been, the round before quarters? Yeah, I think so. I think there were four-man heats, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so it kind of was the quarters then. I um, think technically you would have called them that, yeah. Yeah, so so that was that was a really tough heat. Um, it was pretty big. I'm, I must have sub. I must have ducked out like, I don't know, fifty, sixty waves, mm. and I was sitting in like the the worst but best possible position on the beach, just because that's where the peak was and it was coming through. And I think that took a lot out of me, a lot more than I ever thought it would. Yeah. yeah. And you know, going into the next heat, I was lucky enough to make it through with Mars. I think it was in the second heat. Mm. Um. And that was that would kind of like made me a little bit stoked because I could see what what Mars is doing. And again, you know, I thought, well, if it's not going to be me taking the guys out, at least you know, Mars is on fire. Mars was on fire. Out. Yeah, he certainly was on fire, wasn't he? He was a uh, he was and, lethal. Man, he was dangerous that mm, day, and mm. he was just getting like you know eights and nines, and I was just like, man, he's surfing so good. Like, and and a lot of the time when when I watch events, I'm like, you know, those guys that come out firing and can hold it for the first two or three heats are normally the guys that carry it the whole way through. Mm. I mean, we saw Tanner doing it in in Eureka. Yeah, you. you you see other guys doing it in other places. Tristan and Antifagast is a prime example. Mm. He started his first heats and he was just like, just getting crazy scores. And you're like, how the hell is he doing it? And he just yeah. kept that whole level the whole way through. So a lot of the time I see that and I'm like, okay, well, those are the guys you got to watch out for. Mm. And Moz was that guy. Mm. And he goes into the heat with Jerry and, and Jerry gets him. Yeah. And then I go into the heat with Tristan. And Tristan, I mean... Tristan really didn't even have to do anything because I kind of got myself in that heat. Mm. You didn't get uh, many scores, did you? Like it was almost like you didn't really get the opportunities. I didn't. I didn't get one score. I don't think. Mm. I think I, I, the heat that was probably my lowest scoring heat of my life. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tristan surfed damn well, and he and he went went into the next heat, and it was him and Jerry again. And you know, it's he feels bad for me for knocking me out and he comes and apologizes to me on the beach and I'm like, you know, this is not what it's about. We, hmm. We're in a competition here and I know we're all friends and everything else but at the same time, it's it's really hard to, to do that to someone especially when, they, when they're going like in the path that I was and, you know, we're staying together and his mom's there and my mom's there. Yeah, exactly. We like this little family in the house uh, and, so and... Dinner's going to be so weird. It, yeah, it's just, it gets so tough, man. Yeah, and, yeah. And at that point, I was like, you know, well, I was super disappointed with myself more than anything else because I was like, I just went into that heat so wrong. Mm-hmm. I was I was just going like the first wave I caught, I was like, I just tried to go so hard. And uh-huh. I think that was, that was like probably hit that section correctly. And now that's like, it puts me back and I'm like, oh shit, now, you know, Tristan takes off in his first and he gets like a 6.5 and I'm like, yeah, okay, so now, you, now you're behind already, like, how are you going to do this? Mm. And I started, I started questioning myself, which I should have never done. Mm. And so when it came down to it, I was super disappointed and I kind of just needed space. So I went and sat by myself for a bit and then I realized, you know, whatever happens, the universe is going to sort itself out. If I'm meant to win this, I'm meant to win this. Mm. And that's kind of how I took the rest of the day. Mm. So I sat around and, and watched Uri's heat with, with Pierre, where he beat mm. Pierre. And then I was like, you know, that's another title contender out the way. Mm. Um, and then I was like, oh, shit, Tanner. And Tanner started getting into his routine, which <laughs> yeah. that is massive reverse. It's quite a life. routine as well when it gets, gets, gets and, going. And I was just like, you know, if, if he's meant to win it, he's meant to win it. Like mm. this is how it's supposed to pan out. Yeah. And the whole time throughout the final, I was I was just so um, 
I was more in awe on how Jerry kind of pulled it all together at the end. Mm. Um, and you know, it's always it's always something that Jerry has always been there for all of us. Mm. I mean, he's always been the guy that's helped us out. He's always been the guy that's that's got answers that can, you know, always give us advice and always be that person that you can turn to. Mm. And now you're watching him in the final, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to surf against this guy in a in a standoff because that's what it came down to. It's like yeah. you got to you got to put everything aside and kind of like take your. My, I mean, I didn't even know what was going on inside my head at that point. I can't even remember back then, but it seems crazy to think like that. But I was just like, I was so hyped up on the fact that I get to have another chance at it, mm. and. I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, you know, it's like the only possible thing that could have been better would have been like if if Jerry had won and Jerry goes and wins. And mm. now I take myself out of the equation again and put myself back in. Mm. And I think that really messed with my head because I, I didn't know if that was going to happen. And then when it did happen, I was like, it's so hard to reset after that yeah. and kind of go back into... I thought I was done for the year and now mm. I'm back on. Yeah. And that's maybe something that, that I did wrong that I should have kind of come to terms with a lot earlier than that. Yeah. So you're saying just to clarify that when when the Tanner and Jerry final was happening, you were kind of like, oh, I'm really, you were ch- like kind of happy for Jerry to be the winner of that to an extent because he's your buddy. You know, he's that guy that's been there for all, for particularly for the South Africans over the years. So you're, of course, you know, cheering him, not to say you're not happy if Tanner wins too, but then with his win comes the realisation that you now have to battle him. Like, was that the hard transition between those two, I guess, emotional states? Yeah, it was so difficult. And and I think think what also played a massive role was, like, we couldn't hold off on that event any longer. No, we had no chance. We had had no time. So Mm. it's like, it's not like, okay, boys, have a 30-minute break. Like, yeah. calm down, chill, like, you know, have some water. Yeah. It was like, okay, boys, we like when Jerry gets out the water, you know, you got 10 minutes and then you're back in. <laughs> it's crazy. Was like, like that point there was just so difficult for me to get my head around. Yeah. And and there's no one else that can really help you in that point because nah. it's just you and, and the guy that you're going to go up against. And, and in, you, in you guys' case, you actually were sitting down together, getting ready for the heat. You were like exactly, two meters maybe. away from each other. I, was, I remember that, seeing it. I was like, "Okay, I know they're friends, but um, maybe they're, they not, they're not supposed to be that close. They're eh? not supposed to be that close at this point in time." Yeah, yeah. But you were saying, sorry. So when you were getting prepared and then heading out into that heat, you you were yeah, you was, were rattled already. That was, I was so rattled. Eh? Mm. I was I was really battling to to wrap my head around the fact that now like. Being so hyped up now, I've got a second chance and I'm like jittery and anxious and, you know, you, you think to yourself, you know, I can actually do this. Like yeah, this sure. is this is my chance. This is my, my second shot at, at getting this world title. Mm. And to be completely honest and not to sound like a sore loser, but I really think Jerry had the upper hand there. Yeah. He, you know, he's coming off, firstly, he's coming off a win. Mm. And secondly, he's coming off an experience of surfing the whole, whole day. Mm. not not to to put anything against him but it's like you know he's also he's he's tired which favored me a bit but at the same time he's sitting there and he's like he knows where to sit he knows where the waves are coming through he's been surfing the whole day he's cramping i'm cramping because i've been so tense the whole day i was gonna say the 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 physical whilst his physical disadvantage could be argued the emotional disadvantage was certainly on your on your side because you know, he just did. He just got a ten-point air reverse. That you know, it's like a historic move that we'll all remember for a very long time. And that kind of buzz sure. off that moment would have certainly been um, the the adrenaline would have been pumping for him. You know, with that win. So, yeah, I mean, it would. I mean, I know that you're not a sore loser at all, and I'm sure everyone listening knows that this um that this fact or point you're raising is not a sign of, of sore loser ship. But um, do you think that maybe in the future the APB needs to consider yeah. this situation a bit better and, and prepare to deal with some of these kind of um, peculiarities of the system? 
I mean, maybe, you know, mm. I just, I just feel like it's, it wasn't really up to them for this one. Yeah. Like it, it was so tough. Like, you know, no one, no one in their right mind could have made that, that call any better than what they did. Yeah. Um, cause you know, we went into that final and it just continued to get bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. And like, <laughs> I was at one stage, I was sitting out there and I was like, what the hell are we doing out here? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm duck diving. Like, I mean, like double story, like peaks. <laughs> And I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't think anyone was jealous that you guys had another surf. <laughs> I yeah, certainly was, wasn't. I was like, okay, you guys have got this. Go for that it. That was that was yeah. I reckon that was like probably the hardest heat of my life too. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, I went I went into that heat and I thought I was doing pretty well. I couldn't. You couldn't really hear anything either yeah. because we're sitting so far to see. Mm. So the whole time I was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm still in this, I'm still in this. And, um, yes, I was running along the beach and I turn around and see Jerry launch this massive invert. That was quite and something. Mm. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not in this. <laughs> um, then I start cramping in my calves too, while I'm running along the beach. So yeah. I'm like trying to breathe properly and make sure that I'm getting you know, enough oxygen to the muscles and everything else. But I get back out there and I get that barrel, mm. which puts me, you know, that that barrel probably would have made the world title for me. Yeah. And I didn't realize how significant it actually was until, you know, people tell me, you know, you only needed another seven-point ride or whatever it was. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I first pulled into that and it kind of went all white and I popped out on the bottom of the wave. And when I went up again, I, I looked up and I probably could have tried to roll through the lip, but yeah. it was so heavy at that point mm. that I was like, maybe I can just pull back into it and kind of check turn into the barrel. Mm. And, and the foam will push me out because um, it had quite a lot of power behind it. And as I went up to check turn into it, mm. I was too high up on the face. Yeah. And it just kind of clipped me and and projected me into the barrel. And there was no way as I was making it out of the second section. Yeah. Um, but had I made it, you know, that, that could have potentially been the score that I needed to, to overtake him. But that kind of, <laughs> yeah, that, that wave really... Um, it was really tough for me to pick myself up after that. Sure. Uh, and I didn't know what I needed after that. I had no idea on the scores. Um, yeah. I couldn't hear. I was so far down the beach. And I went on the next wave that it, when I got back out. And um, looking down the line, I knew that that last one was potential for a massive air move on the end. Mm. And by the time I got up to it, the face was so bumpy from the white water from the yeah, wave before. Sure. And, I got I got caught underneath the lip, did a small roll, got a four or whatever it was. Yeah. Looked out to see, and it was just set after set after set. And you know, I'm sitting 200 meters from the comp site. There's no way I'm getting back out. Exactly, and that was quite um, that was quite helpless in a sense as well for everyone watching. You know, because it's kind of like yeah, man, there's like there's probably four or five minutes. You know, there's probably four minutes to go. I think at that point when you were way down the beach and. And I, and everyone was like, well, maybe that's it, you know, like because yeah. you know it's going to take a easy two minutes in flippers to run the beach, and you're exhausted, you know, and then trying to even paddle back out was was a nightmare as well. So, I mean, following you know the history books know that that Jerry got the win, um, and you know I'm I'm sure um, I'm sure there's a part of you that's obviously happy for him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's quite a lot that that I think people don't understand about the whole bodyboarding scene, and and that's how close everyone is. Mm. Because I took the, I took that loss quite badly, and um, I apologize for not coming up the beach earlier. But in that point, I was so down with myself for the fact that I couldn't do what I wanted to do and what I'd set out to do. Because yeah. my goals are something that I really hold um, quite close to my heart. Mm. And when I set something like that down, I achieve it. And when I don't achieve it, I really take it so personally. Yeah. So that moment that I had down on the beach, there was like, it was something that, that 
I probably should have not done, but personally, I needed to do. Uh, and... I think you're fine. In my, I saw you know you got it. You got to process shit. You know, there's no, yeah, was, there's no was, just like, so hey, congrats, and... buddy. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna sit here for a yeah. bit. <laughs> I it, wouldn't. It took me like yeah. it took me like ten to fifteen minutes to walk back up. Yeah, and, no, uh, I know, I know. And when I got up there, was the response that I got from walking back up the beach was probably about as good as winning, yeah. to be honest. Okay. Because, you know, I was walking back up and guys are like, man, that was unbelievable. Like, that heat was insane. Like, mm. I can't believe you did what you did. Like, that was that was an amazing year. Like, you did an amazing job again. And I was like, you know, like, like why am I so dumb after doing what I just did? Mm. And I walked back up and I was like, you know, that was kind of the clarification that really came through that was like, you know, it's not it's not all bad. Mm. Like you've 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 had a great year. Like <laughs> yeah. don't get yourself so down. Yeah. And um, you know, Pierre came up and he hugged me and he was just like, "Man, I just I don't understand how you keep doing it." Mm. And it was like, there's small things that people say to you that that really will hit home a lot harder than than other things. And mm. the amount of congratulations and small things that Jerry said that you know I I would. I hold it so dear to my heart that, you know, he's just like, he literally said to me, he's admires the way that I ride competitions and, you know, he's he puts me on, I mean, I'm not going to say like he puts me on a pedestal, but he's just like, you know, he doesn't understand how I keep doing it year after year, competition after competition. And to hear that from someone that you've just gone down to in a competition is mm. like, you know, that kind of, that kind of clarification really puts you onto an almost like onto a high and mm. i was i was really really taken back by that moment mm. um and you know if i had won you don't ever get to hear that kind of stuff no 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 so so for me it was almost like a, a reassurance that i'd actually done a lot better than i thought i'd done mm. and it kind of put my my mind at ease and and just could kind of put the whole situation into place and I mean, it's just like some some of those people that you look up to year after year and, you know, guys like Dave Hubbard and, and Pierre and Jerry and, I mean, even the younger guys like Tristan and Maxime and everyone else and they mm. come up to you and, and they say certain things that, I mean, Pierre is an, a prime example. He's been competing for how many years now and he comes up to me and he's like, man, I just like I admire you for your strength and competition and it's just like, I'm like, you know, these kind of people are, have been doing it for a lot longer than I have, but here yeah, they are congratulating me on what I've done in the last three years. Mm. And I was like, mm. I think that that was like the point where I was like, you know, this is, I'm super stoked for Jerry, and I think he deserved that world title more than anyone, especially mm. for what he's been through in the last couple of years. And for me, it's like, you know, holy shit, like you get all this affirmation from all these people and you're like you know this actually feels this loss feels good almost mm. so i think that was that was a massive turning point for me mentally um at that stage and it was just so sick to have that moment which mm. i would never have had had i had won it mm. so there's a big silver lining there i think one of the things i take from that story is that you know it's just reassuring for maybe the listener to understand what the realities of the tour are like like it is a tour of there is a real community there that that does transcend uh nationalities in a big way i think like it's not un it, it, there really isn't so much national rivalry at least as i remembered it back when i first competed many many years ago like it seems like there's just a bigger community and everyone actually does everyone's very comfortable congratulating each other and supporting each other that's i guess the way to say it i mean it was that maybe reaffirmed for you as well in that moment that the community is actually like a really good one. Oh man the community is so good mm. and it's and it's not just i don't think it's even about the nationalities i think it's like you know everyone just sees each other as as athletes yeah that's what i mean too and, you yeah. know and and that's like that's the best thing i think for and i know some people are going to disagree with me but this is a sport um bodyboarding is a sport and there's there's no ways that you can argue that point mm. um and these guys like us being the professional athletes that we are it's like 
when that happens and when you get other people from other nationalities and, they, you know, you look past that or you're South African or you're Australian mm. kind of mentality, it's just like that kind of thing is it goes leaps and bounds ahead of anything that we could have ever hoped for it. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So then I think we're coming down to the concluding stages of this really insightful podcast and thank you so much for um for sharing that um that story about that day. Um I got the scoop. So you're not allowed to talk to any other journalists now for the next couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh that's the deal. Um but that's really cool that you were able to share that and so thank you and and I think on behalf of the listener thank you for for being so open about it. It seems like you have processed it and you're now kind of gearing up for this year. I mean, can can the listener expect, you know, are your goals the same as they were last year? Although not back-to-back, of course, but, you know, is it the world championship that's in your sights? That is, that's really, um, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one for me to say right now. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mean, that's that's always what, what I'm going to strive for. I don't think I'm going to get, ever go anything less or just hope for, you know, that top five placing or that top 10 position or whatever it's going to be. Mm. Um, for me, that, that world title is always going to be something that I want to get again. Yeah. But in saying that, I don't know if I'm 100% focused on that goal yeah. right now mm. because I've got so many other things that I want to do You know, with Rosie and um, with my brands that support me, that that's probably only going to be the goal when it comes to the first competition of the year. So we're talking like May, aren't we? That's what I guess what we're looking at around that time of year when things will start to be more clarified for the tour structure and whatnot. But um, so you've got a, quite a few months, really. You've got like almost four months. Yeah, and I've, I've got I've got quite a lot of stuff that I wanted to do in between that too. Yeah, sure. It's just. It's just, I mean, I've got so many ideas that where I want to do things for myself and for the brands that I work with more yep. than I want to focus on the competition because we've got such a long break now. It's, it just seems that, you know, I want to build this YouTube channel that I started and I want to um, get my Instagram following more up there. And there's just so many different ways to do that and so many yeah. good ideas that you can use. Cool. So, so we've got some creativity is on the boil. We do have some creativity oh, nice, on the boil. Nice. And um I've got I've got a couple of cool things that I want to do in the next few months and I think that's why it's nice to just kind of have this break that I'm having sure. at the moment because it gets me to work on on other things that I mean I can't surf yet. I mean look yesterday <laughs> it's like half foot non-shore. Plus plus they get a quite a few shark attacks in that part of the world yeah, mind I don't you don't they say anything really. <laughs> well i had to bring it up I, I mean i know that you i just didn't want you you know being a south african you know there's a big vibe around sharks in south africa but you know you're you're actually in a in a way more sharkier place i think as far as um the statistics show yeah i don't want, i don't want to talk about it <laughs> well no, I heard, at least I heard it, it's pretty bad down here is, but there's yeah. there's there's a couple of local guys here that um have been pretty keen to meet up and yeah cool um yeah I, i'm i'd love to throw something together here yeah um, and yeah i just i just want to get a little bit more creative and that's really something that i've always wanted to do for a long time mm-hmm. um especially with my photography and shoot a lot more photos and shoot some more videos and you know there's on my community page on on youtube i asked the guys the other day what they really want to see and oh cool um i got such cool ideas from guys that i never would have thought of good and i think it's that's something that's like you know you're building this community and you're trying to build your social media and all these other things but at the same time i want to help those guys that's you know, can't reach out to certain people that they want to reach out to. And I feel that's so important for us as, as bodyboarders with this community is to, um, one is to put back. And secondly, is to just, if people have questions, like don't feel scared to ask. And um, I've just had so many people like contacting me about that. And cool. it's just so cool to to have that kind of, you know, building relationship with people that you you've never even met before. But then you know what you're about and then you respond to their message and they're like, oh my goodness, you're like, 
we talking kind of thing and you're like yeah well, i'm just i'm just another guy true um, and and i think that was that was a really cool thing for me that i saw in this last these last two years is that um you know as high up as these people put you on the pedestal it's it's so nice to just kind of get them to know that i'm i'm quite an easy person to to contact and I think I respond to nearly every message that I get sent on Instagram, which is quite a big thing for me. Is that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal, and it's quite a lot of work. But um, yeah. for me, I, I find it so important to um, to just kind of build those relationships with people that, um, you know, even if they just send me a message saying, you know, I just really admire you or whatever it is. Um, how do we do this? Or I had a guy contact me the other day on on through YouTube, and he was like. You know, what kind of training do you do and, and how do you do these exercises and what exercises are you looking at? And when I responded to him, he's like, I can't believe you replied to my message kind of thing. And I'm like, well, you asked me a question. I'm going to <laughs> and I think that's that's like that was one of the big things for me. And yeah. um, that's something that I really, really hold really close to my personality that I want to show people is like, yeah. If I'm gonna get asked questions, I wanna I wanna give information out, and I never wanna hold back on anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just so sick to have that, and I just want to start creating stuff that people are actually gonna enjoy and and really gonna, um, you know, be interactive and and enjoy watching what I have to offer. Great, so, I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm I'm one of those people. I missed the chance to um send requests for things. I just would have done something stupid, like said more nudes. But that's just my sense of humor coming through in those moments. Um, glad you didn't oh, have to deal Josh. with that question. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to do it. Um, someone's got it. Someone's got to do it. Well, this is great. This is great. It's a great way to finish off this um this chat and and um. You know, I I think the listener can rest assured that they're going to be seeing a lot of you, and they should not hesitate in uh, asking a question, sending out some love, and expecting to. Uh, you know, you're probably going to get a flood if you keep on telling people to contact you. So, <laughs> you know, maybe people can expect to get a response eventually. But um, look, yeah. thanks for taking the time for this podcast today. Um, much appreciated. Really great to hear what's coming for you in the near future. And I'm sure everyone out there is um, going to be cheering you on uh, for bigger and better things. Thanks, bro. Yeah, no it's, been, it's been awesome to chat. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes also you need to talk about these circumstances that we go through in life. Yeah. And especially in the competitive world, I don't think we do it enough. So, um yeah, you know, after you chatted to Tanner, he goes and and I think that was quite a big thing for him too, is, yeah, is right. to talk about um, his past and what's what's happened with him in the junior world titles. And yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, after that, he goes and wins Eureka. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying it's directly related, but it could be. <laughs> I should I'll charge a fee. That's cool. That's what you're saying. Cool. I figured out a revenue model for the podcast. That's great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, well, uh, let's. It's, <laughs> it's been really awesome chatting, and yeah, um, yeah, stoked to share my story and and just uh, let people know exactly what the human side of the competitive world is really about. And um, yeah, thanks for that. No worries at all. I'm going to um, hit stop record in a second, and then um, you just stay on the line for a second there. So that's a big thanks to Ian Campbell for dropping by for the podcast. Remember, to send in any. Um, ongoing questions you might have for Ian any um hey or maybe I'll ask um tell me what I can do better in the podcast yeah please give feedback I don't know everything even though I pretend like I do so please feel free to send feedback I really appreciate it and stay tuned for much more